1. We've been in these verses now some five Sundays. Lord willing, this will be our last uh, message on hearing the voice of God. But I hope it's not the God, who at sundry times, verse 1, and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, hath in these last days spoken unto us by the Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he hath made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, And the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he'd by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, that you'd touch and help us this morning as we preach your word. Lord, I sure am excited to get to be here today and to share with your people what you've laid on our heart. Now I pray, God, that you'd help us to preach in the demonstration, the power, and the unction of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd move on hearts across this congregation. We'll thank you for everything that you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Like I said, we've been five five Sundays now preaching on the voice of God. I told you how that the voice of God... That God has had a desire to speak with man from the beginning. And I'm glad that if you'll listen, you'll hear his voice today. We talked a little bit about how that there was the authority of the son to speak. He's got authority to speak. I told you how that he spoke with attributes. So in the authority to speak, that is why we should listen. Then in the attributes of his speaking, that is what he sounds like. But today, I want us to think for a little while on the atonement he speaks of. (laughs) That is what he says. The Bible says here in uh, verse number 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person... uh, and upholding all things by the word of his power, uh, when he had by himself purged our sins. Uh, You know the number one thing that God says in this dispensation, the thing that he is saying today through his son is this, uh, you can be forgiven. Uh, Those that wandered in sin, those that were steeped in sin, uh, those that were hell-deserving sinners uh, can be forgiven, uh, thank God, by the blood of the Lamb. That's the number one thing that God is saying to mankind today uh, is you don't have to die and go to hell. Uh, that there has been an atonement made. Uh, that Jesus by himself purged our sins. Uh, and that we can be saved. Uh, and that we can be washed in the blood. Uh, the good news uh, of the gospel is this. Uh, nobody has to die and go to hell. Uh, but everybody can be saved. I remember when I was lost in my sin. I remember the first time I saw myself a sinner. 
Society said, you're not that bad. Get an education. Religion said, follow our rules and we'll be fine. But I'm glad, thank God, that Jesus said, let all that is a thirst come unto me and partake of the water of life freely. And I'm glad that what education can't accomplish, I'm glad that what religion cannot do, I'm glad, thank God, one day I got in on a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jen was talking just a moment ago about the Roman Catholicism and the infant baptism and all of those things. That's what religion says, follow our rules. But the problem with that is their rules are never ending. But I'm glad one day, thank God, I got in on a relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And I've never been the same since the day that I came to know him in the free pardon of sin. And I found out that I too could be forgiven, that I'd not went too far, that I'd not been too bad. Hey, but I could be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. He purged my sin. Thank God forgave me of my trespasses. I'm glad, thank God, I heard his call that day. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? I'm telling you, we're all in the same boat. Everyone was born with the same sin problem. I began to think, Brother Neil, that Jesus could have made the main thrust of his ministry, the giving of sight to the blind, but not all are blind. He could have made the main thrust of his ministry feeding the hungry or taking care of the poor, but not everyone is hungry and poor. So he made the main thrust of his ministry the redemption of mankind because every man is a sinner both those that can see and those that are blind, both that have those that have money and those that are in squalor, all are the same. Everyone's been born with a sin problem. There's nothing you can do about it. Everybody's dying and going to hell. So Jesus died at Calvary and tasted death for every man. I'm glad he shed his blood for every sinner. I'm glad he made the way for whosoever will. Hey, and by himself he has purged our sins. That's what the Son of God has to say to this dispensation is that everybody can be forgiven. Oh, the weight of sin holds a man down. The weight and the embarrassment that comes along, the guilt that a man trudges through in his sin. I'm glad that in one instant of coming to God and believing and putting your faith in Christ, that all of that vanishes away. All of that guilt, all of that heartache, Brother Allen, it was lifted off of me in an instant. It was gone. He purged it by himself. He made the atonement. I want to give you three applications, and then at the end of this message, I'm going to give you something God saw that God showed me this week that I've never seen before. And I believe if you get a hold of it, change your life. Let me give you three little applications right here about how that by himself he purged our sin. Number one, let me say this, this is elementary, but he acted alone. The Bible said by himself. 
know what the difference between Christ's gift of Calvary and all of the Old Testament sacrifices were? In the Old Testament sacrifice, a man offered the blood of another. But in the sacrifice of Calvary, Jesus offered his own blood. In the Old Testament sacrifices, there had to be a priest and an offerer and an offering. But at the cross of Calvary, Jesus was the priest. Jesus was the offerer. And Jesus was the offering. By himself, his disciples had forsook him. His father turned his back on him. His people would not receive him. And so by himself... He marched up Calvary. He acted alone by himself. He shed his blood by himself. He redeemed mankind. And so it was that by one man sin entered into the world. By one man the sin problem was taken care of. By himself he acted alone. By himself he had no help. By himself he did it all by himself. He was both the offerer, that is, he stood in our place and became our sin. Did you know that Jesus became you at Calvary so that you could become him for eternity? You get a hold of that, it'll make you feel like running a lap. He became you at Calvary so that we could become him for eternity. He became the offering. Isaiah chapter number 53 said, As a sheep is led to the slaughter, and as a sheep before the shears is dumb, so it openeth not his mouth. All of that was a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He became the offering. And then he was also the high priest that mediated the offering to the Father. He did all, he performed all of those by himself. So he acted alone. But then, Brother Billy, he also atoned alone. He acted alone, but then he atoned, he atoned for all. Now look at how the Bible phrases it. Purged our sins. Now it's interesting that that word purged is used. Here's what Ironside said. I wrote it down. He said that is upon the cross he finished the work whereby the sin question is settled to the divine satisfaction So that that question, as such, no longer comes up between God and man. But all who trust in Him are upon the basis of that work actually purified or purged from all of their sins before God. I don't know how many of you have been reading through your Bible, but if you go back to Leviticus and you read the book of Leviticus, you find again and again the emphasis upon cleansing. God talks about cleansing. He talks about purging. As a matter of fact, the Jews took it to such an extreme that all around Jerusalem today are old wells that were dug or pits that were dug out and the Jews were continually baptizing themselves and trying to cleanse themselves in order to get to where God was. But I'm glad one day at Calvary God made a way for man to be clean forever. I don't have to go and dip down in a pond. I don't have to go and do a ritualistic cleansing that threw in by the blood of Christ. I'm able to approach the throne of grace boldly through and by the blood of Christ and the purging that
made at Calvary. I'm able to go into his presence today. I say glory be to the Lamb of God this morning. I'm glad that by himself he purged my sin. And in the sight of God, I am clean this morning. By himself purged our sins. So he acted alone. Then he atoned for all. Now the Calvinists say he only died for some. They believe in limited atonement. That's hogwash. He died for everybody. If you die and go to hell, you will die having the payment made for you. Amen. You'll die with that atoning payment. Having been, he purged our sins. Well, I don't know about you. But I'm glad this morning that I no longer owe the sin debt. I'm glad this morning that I am no longer dirty and filthy and rotten. But I'm glad this morning I have been made clean today. And let me give you this. Not only did he atone or act alone and atone for all, but let me say this to you. He advocates forever. Watch this phrase. When he had by himself purged our sin, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Let me say this to you, Miss Tanya. He could have lived a perfect life. Wouldn't have done us any good. He could have died a perfect death and not done us any good. It's his position on the right hand of the throne. That gives his sacrifice power. (laughs) Now I'm fixing to show you something. If you'll hang on with me, we might throw the chairs in the yard right here in just a second. It's his position on the throne. You see the problem with all them Old Testament sacrifices is that in order to make the sacrifice, they died. But then they never lived again. Them turtle doves, them lambs, them bullocks, they all died never to live again. But you see the difference in Christ's sacrifice was that God raised him from the dead. Now he's sitting on the right hand and he ever liveth to make intercession for our prayer. Now let me give you this. This ain't what I want to show you. I'm going to show you something right here in just a minute. Tune in. But let me show you this first. I'm in him and he's in me. So I'm just as secure in Christ this morning as if I was sitting on the right hand of the Father. That's my position in Christ. It's just as good as if I was sitting on the right hand of the Father this morning. Whoop. Well, I'd preach right there. I might all preach on that a little while. Hallelujah. That'll preach. He's seated on the right hand of God, and he's ever advocating for us. Hallelujah. Now, I want to ask you a question about this raising from the dead. I want to ask you a question. How much did Jesus love you? I've seen something this week I've never seen before. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord's praying. What did he say? He said, I would that this cup should pass from me. Now I ask you a question. What was in that cup? Well, it's three, three prevailing views. Some would say that what was in that cup was the, the anguish and 
all of the physical turmoil he was going to have to go through and that the human side of Christ didn't want to have to do that. And so he said, I would that this cut passed from me. But the problem with that is that Christ was completely divine and completely human. And those two never separated. Never will you find a place in the Bible where the human side of Christ ever fought against the spiritual side. You'll find where his human side was hungry and his human side was tired and his human side hurt, but you'll never find where his human side fought against his divine side, so we know that's not true. Others would say that what was in that cup was he was afraid. There's a view out there that he was afraid to die a premature death, that he was afraid that the devil was going to kill him before he got to Calvary. And that was what he was praying about. But we know from the evidence of the scriptures uh, that again and again, uh, he said, for this end was I born. Uh, He knew he couldn't be killed. Uh, He knew he'd have to give his life up. So that can't be true. And then there's this view of the sin. Now just think about that though. Think about that. I'm getting ready to show you something so well, it's our sin, and I've preached it that way for years, but I don't believe that's true. Because the Lord knew all along he was going to have to pay our sin debt. Why would he have asked that to be removed? Now, I ask you a question. He prayed that it be removed. Did God answer that prayer? Did God answer that prayer? Give me Hebrews chapter number 5, verse 7. I think that's it. I'm going to have to look at my notes. Hebrews. Yeah. Here's what, here's what the book of Hebrews said. Who in the days of his flesh, when he'd offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard. So according to Hebrews 5, the prayer Jesus prayed in the garden, God answered. So if he prayed to be relieved from our sin, God didn't, that couldn't have been it. That could not have been it. Here it is. Let me tell you what was in that cup. Y'all ready? (laughs) Hang on to your hats. Let me tell you what was in that cup. It was that separation from God. That's what was in that cup. Now our sins were the account of it, but it was the separation of God. Now hang with me. When a man sins, it separates him from God eternally. Am I right? The man sins, it separates him from God eternally. Here's what Jesus was praying. He said, Lord, he said, Father, I know that I'm going to have to pay this sin debt. He said, I know I'm going to have to die. I know that that brings eternal separation from you. But I pray that this cup might pass. You know what the father did? He answered that prayer. Because on the third day, for three days, our Savior was alienated from his father. For three days, he paid for it. Listen to me now. By being detached from God. But he prayed that prayer. And the Hebrews 5, 7 says God answered that prayer. How did God answer that prayer? He allowed that cup to pass from our Savior. And on the third and appointed morning, he arose him up. Victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He brought him out of the tomb. That cup came to pass. And he came out victorious for me and you.
Now, right here's what I wanted to show you. Here's what our Savior prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. I didn't finish that prayer. He said, Father, I would that this cup, that is that eternal separation from you, would pass. But here's what he said. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, if I have to be eternally separated from you in order to redeem mankind, I'll do it. You don't think about how much, you don't think about how much Jesus loved you. In the garden, he said, I would that this cup pass. I would, Father, that we wouldn't have to be separated for eternity. I would, God, that, that, my, that this sin I'm about to take wouldn't separate me from you for eternity. I would that it'd get to pass. But if I have to pay for it for eternity, so Bradley don't have to do it. If I have to pay for eternity, So that all the good people at the Concord Baptist Church can go to church on a Sunday morning and worship you if I have to pay for eternity. I'll do it. Not my will, but thine. If that's your will, Father, I'll do that. That's how much the Lord loved you. Oh, his father answered that prayer and he allowed it to come to pass by himself. Jesus marched up that hill by himself. He hung on that cross by himself. He was separated from his father by himself. He descended into the heart of the earth by himself. He was willing to stay there for all eternity in order to redeem mankind. But I'm glad, thank God, on the third and appointed morning, God answered his prayer, brought him up victorious over death, hell, and the grave, set him on the right hand of the father, And now he says to all mankind, you can be forgiven. I loved you that much. You don't have to die and go to hell. I'm glad, thank God, that he ever liveth to make intercession for our birth. Woo, what a save. I say, what a save. He loved us that much. That yonder at yonder at Gethsemane, I've done I've done thinking about this, brother Allen. Calvary was hard, but I'm not sure. But what Gethsemane might have been harder. He prayed. He was under such agony, very heavy. The Lord's the Bible said. He prayed till that sweat became as great drops of blood. Well, no wonder. No wonder. Because in that cup was the eternal separation from his father. You know what he did? He by himself drank that cup. He by himself said, I love Susan that I love Frank that much. I love Jason enough and Summer enough. And if it is that I never see my father again, if it is that I'm never able to sit on my throne again, 
if it is that I'm never able to hear the worship of the angels or tread the streets of gold again, if it's the Father's will that I should forever remain in the heart of the earth, I'll do it because I love them that much. What a Savior. And He has said these things to us today. If you're here and you're lost today, the Lord says to you, you can be forgiven. I love you that much. You can have peace with me. I love you that much. If you're here today and you're saved, the Lord says, I paid a great price for you. You are very, very, very expensive. Don't take it for granted. My desire on a Sunday morning is to hear his voice. His voice says to me things like this. I love you. You're forgiven. You've been cleansed, son. (laughs) That's the kind of thing God said. Heaven's going to be your home. My heart gets all tore up in worry. And the voice of God says, Be careful for nothing. Fear not. It is I. Be not afraid. I believe this morning I can hear the voice of God speaking to me through the pages of the scriptures. It excites me. It excites me. I'm glad that he drank that cup for me. Let's stand our feet, Father. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to preach today. What a great day to be in your house. I just pray that you touch hearts around this building today and do a work in our lives. Help us to be a thankful people for you redeeming us. If there's one lost, I pray that you'd save them. Do that now as only you can. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed.